0: The idea of going to college just wasn't implanted into our heads. It was just get a job. Somewhere along the line, my mother implanted in me that I could do more. So um, I, I feel like that was a huge part of why I then decided I wanted to go to school.
1: I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Hi, everyone. My name is Brian Nickerson. I'm guest hosting for Esprit Devora on We Are LA Tech. And we're here today with Patricia Garcia. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. I want to start actually um, with uh, with Moms in Tech, if we can.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, actually, I, I came upon upon a group called Moms in Tech on Facebook, and I realized that it was more than just a Facebook group. It was it is a group of women who were uh, looking out for each other, and they affectionately refer to each other as Mints. You get it? M in <laughs> Tech. <laughs> So I I started to really um, get to know the women in that group, um, realizing, oh my God, you guys understand me being a woman in tech isn't enough. It's being a mother in tech that has its own unique challenges because you have... It's one thing, yes, I'm a woman, and you deal with some issues when you're the only woman in the room. Every woman can can understand and and under what I'm going, what we're all going through. Um, but then there's that extra issue. I have to leave at five o'clock because I got to get to my child, and that doesn't always go well in all the companies that I've worked in where I've been like the token mom.
1: Yeah, uh, and so if I can, I, I just want to own what just happened before the show, where we, it's actually illustrative, right, of some of the challenges you face, where. Um, we're recording with guests today. We're running late a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and and not respectful fully of your time, um, and and you're having to make changes with your son to be on the show today, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also indicative, right, of some of the challenges yes. I think that you that that meant that not just you but moms in tech face.
0: Absolutely, and as you as you know, being in tech, it's it's very demanding. You, it's it could be unpredictable. Your boss doesn't really care that you have something going on at home. As far as the business is concerned, business comes first. Um, so, yeah, I thought about I've, I've tried many times to try to start my own business. But mm-hmm. honestly, I it's better to work some for somebody because I did get a little bit more freedom mm. and flexibility. So you just have to look for that. Mm-hmm. When you're working on projects with people, so then I've I've figured it out after 20 years of being in, in tech. Okay. I've figured it out and how to be there for both. But yes, there are moments where you're you're stressing, uh, trying to figure out how am I going to get this project done and get my son what he needs for school tomorrow.
1: Right. I guess are there because we we hear a lot about companies like being more open in terms of flexible time mm-hmm. and and allowing people to um, live their lives. Right. Yes. From 30 or 40 years ago, it was like you couldn't leave the office. Now right. there's at least a little more flexibility. Yes. Have we come far enough, though?
0: Uh, I think we can go a little bit further. We, I still hear stories. I'm long done with breastfeeding, <laughs> but <laughs> I still hear stories of women who have to take that time out 15 minutes twice a day, possibly during work. So, yeah. I mean, that's equivalent to someone taking a cigarette break. Someone else is mm-hmm. taking a pumping break. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's getting better. Um, but I, I think it can be a little bit better because one of the biggest issues that I feel that we face is we'll get passed over for promotions and moving forward or getting the cool, uh, product projects because Mm -hmm. they, it's the assumption is you're not going to be there 24 seven, uh, and available. So, um, it is getting better, but I can understand because if we choose to sacrifice, for our families, um, I have to look at it from that perspective. It's okay if I didn't make director level when my colleague who was who was at the same level as me did. I'm creating a basketball star right. at home because I'm dedicating time into his career and his life, getting him out through school and into college. So I have to look at it that way. I'm working on two projects for right. two different uh, entities.
1: Does our society need to do a better job of recognizing that?
0: Uh, we're getting better. <laughs> I like to be positive yeah. and I do feel we're getting better and now we're I, my team that I'm working with now, a lot of them don't have kids but they and yeah. it's mostly men. Um I'm, I'm surrounded by engineers and surprisingly I, I get a lot of support. If um, I say my son is sick, the next day someone's How is he? How is he doing? Is he feeling true. better? Uh where before people just didn't they didn't ask me how he was doing. They're like, Okay, well can you be will you be in tomorrow? Yeah. And um and yeah, just, it was a balancing act that we always have to go through. And it's like, we still want to be leaders in our industry. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you've got a little human that wants you to be a leader
1: right. to them. So you, you, um, I, I was hearing a sort of before and after. Is, uh-huh. the, is there a line for you? Is there is there a moment in time where that changed or is it a gradual change? Or is it part of the Me Too movement? What What do you think um,
0: is? I think it started to change when I realized that my son he was going to fall down. He was going to go down the wrong path if I didn't dedicate mm-hmm. more time to him. And he was diagnosed with ADD, which isn't mm-hmm. the worst thing in the world. I, I've got ADD. A lot of people probably listening have ADD. Um, and, but he needed that extra help or he was going to fail in school. And I realized that I had to just let people know this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to miss this. I have to be at his school. I'm going to be there for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are the choices I made. Others, they have different choices. They have two parents in the home uh, who can take over some of the duties. Some people are lucky enough to be able to hire extra help for them. So where was the line? I think the line was when I saw that my son could potentially be failing and I I couldn't fit. And Mm -hmm. if he was going to, if he was failing in school, that means I was failing him.
1: Yeah. And are you, if I can ask, are you a single parent? Yes. Um, so there's some unique challenges, not only some, probably big unique challenges with that.
0: Yes. But I I'm, I've went, th- got through it. I found a network of people. Yeah. Um, I actually grew up in outside of Chicago. Uh-huh. I had family. I had lots of family to help me. I can call my parents, be like, hey, there's no school tomorrow take my son. Yeah, of course he can come. Okay. No problem. Um, but I've always wanted to move to Los Angeles and the opportunity arose and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take my son and move 2000 miles away from everybody where I know nobody. Uh, so that was a challenge, but it was, and it was a risk that I took and I'm glad that I took it because I need, I needed the, I needed the change and, and my career was, um, heading in that direction. So, um, I managed to make it work, I found a network of people. I found people willing to help me. And that's all I did. It's like, I had a vision mm-hmm. and I set out, I'm like, this is what's going to, this is what we're going to do. And we did it. We made it's, it
1: work. It sounds like not just found, but created.
0: Yes. Yeah, I did create it. <laughs> I had, you know, I reached out. I'm like, okay, who do I start with? Yeah. What the PTA? <laughs>
1: So you said you wanted to come to Los Angeles for a long time. Why yes. Why Los Angeles? Obviously, we're, we're is a big fan of yeah. LA, um, as, of, as are many of us, many of the folks listening are from LA, but what, what was the draw for you?
0: Well, ever since I was a little girl, <laughs> actually, well, I was born in San Diego okay. and my mother moved us, me, I should say, when I was about two. So I didn't really get to appreciate, you know, the tropical yeah. weather and she the was, palm trees. She was looking for
1: better weather, right, in Chicago.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She took me to there. I don't know. (laughs) what she did to me. Um, And I just grew up knowing that I was from Southern California and I always had this desire to go back. Mm -hmm. And I, Los Angeles, I don't, I think at the time when I was younger, um, I think I was more drawn to the whole glitz and glam of Los Angeles, but somehow I just put it in my head. I want to move to Los Angeles. And uh, eventually I, I was working with a company for five years and they offered me the opportunity to move me to the Los Angeles office. I'm like, yeah, let's do mm. it. Oh, it wasn't uh-huh. that quick. Actually, <laughs> I was like, wait, what about my child? What about it took? I think it was like a year worth of, of, um, negotiating back and forth and me figuring things out before I officially might have made the move.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, you're in UX. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about about that.
0: So, um, yeah, I'm a user experience designer for maybe 10 years. Before that, I was a software developer. That's where I started my career mm. out of college, software development. Um, but then uh, I I wanted to do more design work, and I've went back to school, got my master's degree, and uh, human computer interaction, and which led me into a career in user experience. Um, so it's been great. It's where I belong. It's what I want to do. Um, it goes, it, it, it it allows me not just to be creative, but with, as a user experience designer. So we design the, the experience for people using digital interfaces. So Mm -hmm. software apps, mobile apps, websites. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so much more than just a UI. A lot of people assume UX and UI is the same thing. It's so much bigger than that. It's understanding what people's motivations are, what makes them. What what makes them happy to, to feel they feel like they've accomplished their goal? Um, it's not just that we figured out the color of a button. It was uh-huh, like, right. you know, was this the right approach to begin with? Um, there's some cognitive psychology, you know, courses that I took uh, as part of that course. So that was just an interest that I had. And it fits well with who I am as a person because I'm always I'm always fascinated with what makes humans do things. I mean, that's <laughs> very general, but just anything. Yeah. Like, you know, why did that serial killer kill so many people? I want to know what's in his head.
1: <laughs> we just got dark quick.: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know how did we go from beautiful. Now it's, yeah. But I mean, that's just a, that's it's an extreme: Yeah, it's a yeah. very <laughs> wide range. Um, but yeah, so and then of course, I've always been interested in technology, so it just seemed like the perfect place for me to be as a user experience designer. So now it's my goal in life to kind of evangelize the uh, philosophy of user experience. And Mm -hmm. I like talking to people in starting with their new companies or new products. And it's just like on my own, I'm just like, okay, I'll take a look at your product and um, let me give you some advice. And, and it's not just looking at it and saying, this is what you need to do. It's more looking at the big picture. Like how do you incorporate user experience into your business? How at the very beginning, so you don't, it doesn't become an afterthought. Right. Um, so it's, it's definitely the place where I need to be. There's a lot of area yet to explore Yeah, and I'm good at it.
1: That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And knowing that you're good at it and, and feeling that and living that, right? Like just Uh in the studio, I'm feeling that, um, which is, which is amazing. Are there LA companies that you think get user experience, like do a really good job of it? Um, any, any that kind of come to mind? Uh,
0: I really feel like in the LA market it's such it's like a novel idea like mm. ooh this user experience let's try this and not with every company i haven't spoken to every single company so I, i'm not try- i hope i'm not offending anyone but i've the the f- encounters that i've had with some people it does come off as either an afterthought or it gets mingled with ui that yeah. it's just the design of the interface when it's when i think of user experience and most people that i've that i've been i've had the honor of mentoring under Uh, also think of it as user experience. It's that entire from when you wake up to the idea that you have that you want to do something to actually completing that task. Yeah. So it could be I need to go to the bank and deposit money. So you know, you are you dealing with an ATM, are you dealing with an app? Are you dealing with a teller? Like what does that person feel like? Do I feel good when I walk out of there that I've I've done what I've came here to do. Yeah. So it's it's not a new concept. Obviously we've been you know, architecture thinks about it as well in a different way. You know, human factors is a field, that has been around for years yeah. when designing uh, furniture or all kinds of products um, is just taking it into the digital realm. Yeah. So, and there's just so much there to explore when we get into virtual reality and AI <laughs> yeah. and all of that. There's
1: about to be more to explore, right? Yes. As, that, as, that, uh, yes. as AI and AR. Explode? I know.
0: And I'm, I know I'm, I'm just barely dabbling in those areas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I want to um, touch a little bit on the Me Too movement, okay. if we can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, I'll bring a little bit of a masculine voice and space to it. <laughs> but what strikes you about the movement so far? Like, what are you optimistic about? Where does it still need to go? Um, wh- like, like, kind of share wh- share your thoughts, like, kind of big picture view, and then we'll, we'll dive in more.
0: Well, I'm. I've. I've. Now that I've seen the movement, the movement has a name to it. I've been a part of it for for years but now that it's it is gaining momentum i'm the most excited about the male allies yes where finally we have men who are speaking up for women and with us and not questioning every story i mean there yes there are uh, that small percentage of stories that need to be questioned if they don't sound right i don't think every accusation should be taken at face value and destroying people's careers um, I've, cause I've seen it happen also when I was younger, but at the same time, it's more, okay, okay. Stop for a second. Let's all think about what's being said here. Don't necessarily say she's a liar. Don't necessarily say he needs to be fired. Right. Let's, let's review what happened and then we can decide what to do. Um, I mean, I'm glad that it's taking momentum. It's, it's picking up momentum, but I also, I also want, I've always been very cautious about some of the casualties along the way. Uh-huh. And, um, I'm, I've always been very careful and I, I, that's, I tend to speak very careful about it as well when, when, uh, new accusations come up. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm just most excited I said about the new allies that we're getting.
1: One thought I would share around that is it, is that the the world is very much a masculine world or it has been mm-hmm. the construct that we've created. Um, and so the, the, the lens through which many of these things are looked is like, it's okay that there's been male transgressions for thousands of years, we just don't want to have one male picked out the wrongly for the transgressing Mm -hmm. versus like that whole shit is not okay. And it's, and it's gotta actually like we're on the birth of a new construct. Right. And I I have heard other men use that um, worry about the movement as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does seem to me as a male that most of what you will see getting traction in social media Mm -hmm. has a, has a kernel of truth and that's why it gets traction And the places where there's not a kernel of truth generally are not, those stories are not coming to the fold or they're getting like shut down pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So at least my perspective on it is like, yes, there may be a little bit of casualties, Mm -hmm. but like we're we're working from this like tsunami of transgression that now Mm -hmm. needs to switch the other way Mm -hmm. in order for real change to happen.
0: Right. No, and I see that as well. You're right. If if something isn't true, the truth will come out. And it's maybe you've got a bruise as opposed to mm. you got completely knocked down. So, yeah, I see in that. Only I think because I come from a past of seeing it happen, I'm being cautious as yeah. all because I yeah. don't—I've seen somebody's life almost get destroyed. Mm. This is before Me Too movement. Yeah. And luckily I was there to back them up. Right. So, yeah, so what you're saying has some truth to it that if there is— as long, as long as we find out enough about the, what really happened so that person, maybe they walk away with a little scratch from it all, but nothing damaging.
1: Right. Yeah. And there's, um, right, there needs to be discernment in the transgression, right? What mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein did is obviously at way far one end of the spectrum. Right. And then you have other transgressions a comment. Um, that are not legal felonies. right Aziz I'm um, sorry but yeah aziz I'm sorry maybe but but there's still there still is an element of truth that like that's inappropriate behavior mm-hmm. oh absolutely um and, absolutely and that, that also like like sometimes it's those it's the like the the system of all those little things are like we'll let those little things go mm-hmm. is what actually lets the like Except yes. No, I wouldn't let happen.
0: the little ones go. Now the, yeah. if I can, if I can just speak on that really quickly, yeah. since we brought it up as Ansari issue, what the problem that I had with that is calling it something that it wasn't. Mm. He was an asshole. He was definitely not a gentleman. He was outed. Okay. So women dating him will know. But the way to call that a sexual assault yeah. was insulting to mm. those women who've been assaulted. Yeah. We've all been in a situation. Most of us, a lot of people have been in a situation that we regret. Mm -hmm. And no, he shouldn't have treated her that way. He should have treated her like a lady, Mm -hmm. Um, but he was, but I wasn't, I didn't, that's, it was not a sexual assault and that was insulting to real victims of sexual assault is how I looked at it. Um, I mean, but but he survived it, right? (laughs) Right. It was fine. Like you said, the story came out, he survived it. Hopefully she learned too. She doesn't need to be shamed. She just didn't know. She didn't know any better. He didn't know any better. And hopefully they both learned from the situation and she understands what Real sexual assault is. She just probably didn't know what to compare it to. Right. She's probably never been sexually assaulted in her life. And
1: well, our culture needs to develop more language around these issues because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, especially from a U.S. based perspective, like this stuff doesn't get talked about that right. much. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and 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 it seems like we're all developing more language and more discernment in this. Right. You are right. Um, it's not black quickly.
0: and white. It's not. It's not one extreme or the other. There is those in betweens. There is the the whole like the, the stereotypical fraternity bro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like but how many women culture. can we sleep with? And, and that sort of mentality where they are they they may not be doing anything wrong or, or the pickup artist.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know what
0: I'm talking about? They're not doing anything wrong. They're getting permission, but they're playing mind games.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
0: going back to what I do as a, a user experience, in our field, we have this thing called black patterns that mm. mean that's where people basically take the, it's like a therapist who uses mind games on a person. Like they've mm. learned to be a therapist and rather than use it for good, yeah, they use it to destroy a person. And that's right. what Pickup Artist is doing. Right, And it, it, that sort of thing irritates me. And it, when I see it in my field happening as well, when interfaces are purposely designed to force you to do one thing. One of the popular ones is switching buttons. Like you'll have yes on the right, no on the left <laughs> yeah. and then they'll switch it on you oh, yeah. because they're trying to trick you into yeah. agreeing to something. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah. Or like on the mobile devices where it's normally back is in the bottom right. And then uh-huh. all of a sudden it's like some like like function is down there and right. the back is actually on yes. the top left or Exactly. Something. They're trying yeah. to
0: fool you into, yeah. and, and that to, that's not right. That needs yeah. to be called out too. Yeah. I mean, they're not assaulting me, but <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I well, I might claim they are, but um, you're right. We need some sort of language in between to be able to say, this is not okay. If you want, if you want to be a decent human being, don't act this way.
1: Yeah. Patricia, is there advice you would give to men um, to better support the change that's happening in the world?
0: I would say, don't be so afraid to, to, well, how do I, because this is what I tell my son. You can't be afraid to take on the qualities that are, traditionally given to are considered called feminine like -hmm. such as it's okay to cry if you're feeling sad it's okay to express your feelings and if you're angry that's there's you need there's a healthy way to deal with that anger Um, I just a lot of the ways that we're raising men have been raised to believe I feel like that's probably it's causing the problems not just against women but as we've seen what's been happening in the world you know causing these other tragedies with anger and so I don't like this idea of raising boys saying it's not, it's okay. It's not okay to, to feel this way. It's not okay to feel. It's not okay to cry yeah. when yeah. it is. I mean, I've got a very strong young man. He's been raised by a woman, yeah. but he's a tough kid. You yeah. know, he was raised by a tough woman <laughs> yeah and I will cry if I'm sad. I will cry. If I'm frustrated, I will cry and he gets angry. That's fine. He doesn't hit things. He deals with it. He talks about it. He moves on. There's nothing wrong with talking about it. So, I th- I just think that men can learn just as women can learn from men. Mm-hmm. I think men can learn from women in how we express our emotions and our feelings and that you can still be emotional and still be masculine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Patricia, can you share with us a little bit about your background, where you came from? Because it uniquely informs where you are today.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a city outside of Chicago that was a huge uh, neighborhood of immigrants from Mexico. Uh, so Spanish was actually my first language. I had to learn English in school if I wanted to, uh, speak to some of my American friends. Um, even though we were majority Hispanic, um, that's, that's how we grew up. That's what we knew. And the idea of going to college just wasn't implanted into our heads. It was just get a job. A lot of my friends had kids in high school or just out of high school. Mm. I was the only one then to go on. I had to give up a lot of my friends to go to college, yeah. uh, Somewhere along the line, my mother implanted in me that I could do more. So um, it was, I, I feel like that was a huge part of why I then decided I wanted to go to school. And it wasn't until somebody came to our um, co- our high school, talked about being a computer engineer. And I said, I can do that. <laughs> and so I, I just, the little opportunities that I had to work with technology, I realized that I was figuring these things out. And um, I wanted out of this neighborhood. I wanted, I wanted more for myself my friends that were working now and they were in offices and yeah, they were making a little bit more money than I was because I was going to school, but eventually I, I surpassed them. Um, so, um, I didn't, I, I didn't go to school with people that I grew up with. I didn't really, I didn't couldn't afford to be in a dorm because I had to pay for my own education. Mm. So there was, there was just, um, I think I brought a lot of rawness into yeah. my field where I wasn't spoiled. I wasn't entitled. Not that a lot of people were. A lot of people struggled as well. But, I, but I feel like I always brought that street attitude into the office. <laughs> yeah. And by that I mean I did never picked up like the company way of speaking. Mm-hmm. I would I would call bullshit when I saw it. <laughs> yeah. And some people didn't like like it sometimes. But I'm like I, I can't sugarcoat it. This is what it sounds like. What you're saying. And, um, so I feel like that's what it brought to me in the field and, and working, um, especially working user experience. It's like, I have to think about, put myself in people's shoes. And I think I've had, I've had the opportunity to be in different shoes that it was easy for me to kind of jump back and forth. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, and do you see, I mean, do many of your peers now, is your background unique amongst your peers in terms of? You know, specific to kind of UX and engineering.
0: So far, it has been. I haven't met anybody else who's who. I mean, doesn't mean they don't exist. Um, But like, for instance, when you decide to go out after work, we didn't have a lot in common. A Mm. lot of my coworkers, they wanted to go to the bar, you know, sit down, have a conversation. I grew up with the neighborhoods that I grew up in. We grew up with DJs and house music and going Mm. to the clubs, (laughs) and that was usually my unwinding yeah. it was a lot different and um like company parties were unusual because they were all at the bar drinking I was on the dance floor dancing uh-huh. and so and there was there would be a few every once in a while I encounter one or two people that are with me yeah but for the majority of me and my coworkers, that's I'm I'm still kind of different
1: yeah which is good. I, I think that that different perspective, right, in terms of mm-hmm. creating unique experiences and what right. you do in UX, um, right. is is probably a gift for the companies you work. Yes,
0: with. I I believe so. Yes.
1: Beautiful. Um, so, what advice would you give to young people who want to uh, get into this field?
0: I would say that you know don't be afraid to just try something new, different. Ex- I mean, that's the whole point of our 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 field. It's like giving people the best experience possible. So. How do you? How can you do that if you're going to be stuck in a box yourself? You have to be able to get out of your box, get out of your bubble and try something new. You know, go on vacation by yourself. Mm. Take a bus if you've never taken the bus. Just do something that you've never done before. And without knowing what you're going to do when you get there, just figure it out as you go. And by allowing your brain, your mind to expand in such a way, it helps you then design for other people.
1: Yeah completely Mm -hmm. i saw some stat recently that um this is like super narrow but it was like some the odds of being i think a nobel prize winner Mm -hmm. um, and they basically go up uh significantly if your hobby the more creative your hobby is Mm. so like dancing is one of the most dancing is like 22 times more likely to Uh, be a nobel prize winner in a hard uh, math field like like you know physics or chemistry oh. if you dance in your free time you're 22 more t- times likely or whatever to be a nobel prize winner than if you you know read more books or. Something. i'm gonna be
0: working on my nobel prize
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice you're a dancer <laughs> house music we gotta we gotta go all on it. after this <laughs> oh, latin
0: music all of that
1: <laughs> <laughs> amazing well, with that, Patricia, it's been a, yes. a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Brian. Um, wonderful learning from you. Um, and I think, you know, your experience as a single mom, I'm sure, is inspiring others in tech. Um, and it's just great to hear your story and and uh, to share it with the world. Thank you. So with that, my name is Brian Nickerson, guest hosting for Esprit Vora, um, Patricia, if folks want to find you, is there a, a good place where they can find you online?
0: Yeah, you can either um, find me on Twitter. I have a couple of handles, depending if you want my business or personal. Patty G, P-A-T-T-E-G or Lucky, spelled with two E's, 13, Lucky 13. Um, On Instagram, it's underscore Lucky with two E's, 13, because somebody took the other one. (laughs) (laughs) But those would be the best
1: places to find me. Amazing. Well, Patricia, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Yes, you can now get your We Are LA Tech tee. You've all been asking for it. Just go to wearelatech.com slash shop to be a part of the movement to make Los Angeles the top city in the world for tech. Yes, we are number three. Let's get it to number one. We are LATech.com slash shop represent. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.